BFBS. The Forces Station. This is Forces Sport. Hello and welcome to Forces Sport. A happy winter Monday here at BFBS Towers. Jules, have you recovered from the weekend? You're going early with winter. I'm still in. I'm still in autumn. Okay. Well, actually, it's uh, we met, didn't we, at Twickenham at the weekend, and I'd prepared my entire family. I was like, bring lots of layers, and in the end, I was just in a shirt and a puffer jacket. So standard, yeah, I, standard for you. Yes, yeah, standard for me with my England badges and my obviously my rose was there as well and um and the poppy but yeah it does feel like and apparently the warm spell's coming back on but we are not a weather channel so i don't know why i'm going down this road but well you always have a warm front (laughs) he gets in there early um yeah twickenham i mean let's go go bold and early i mean good game for england but not entirely convincing against quite a, a weak australia side would you say this is the this was the autumn international that we chose as our school outing. So we went along to Twickenham on Saturday, and I thought England were very good in that first forty minutes. Somehow Australia managed to stay on their coattails. I don't know how they managed to do that, but um, yeah, most of the rugby came from England. Uh, with Marcus Smith starting in at his position at number ten. So if you're fans of Marcus Smith, you would have been excited about that. So yeah, I thought England were very good. Second half a little bit turgid, but England got the job done as they tend to do <laughs> against Australia anyway. That's another whole conversation that Jules and I had on Saturday about the qualities of Eddie Jones. I think it's safe to say we disagree, but um, that could be a whole programme. <laughs> yeah, that's enough about our weekend. What's coming up in the next half hour? <laughs> well, they asked for it, Jules, and we are delivering a chat with army boxer Ches Nihal about his really tough decision to retire from professional boxing. An armed forces stalwart in the ring. He's looking forward to coaching the stars of tomorrow and reckons he could still handle himself against the likes of Jake Paul. Yeah, I'd love to have boxed him. I'd still box him now if he, I'd come out of retirement for that. I'm licensed until March next year, so I'd, I'd, yeah, that'd be a happy payday. I do sometimes, I'm a bit on the fence with it, whether I think it's good for boxing or not, but at the end of the day, if he's to stick it out and he's getting coached by the best people, you know, he's got the money for that, that he could make a career out of it if he wanted to, no doubt, because he's, he's a physically big lad, big cruiserweight, with the right training, the right, you know, anyone can apply themselves to anything at the end of the day. I don't know if that counts as an official challenge, but Ches reckons he could take on Jake Paul. But he also counteracted by saying he's very complimentary about his his skills as well. Yeah, in the olden days, is that sort of a slap around the face with with a glove? (laughs) Although I don't know if boxers did that, because a slap around the face with a boxing glove is likely to hurt. Painful, yes. Yeah, so more, more from Ches later. Yeah, absolutely. We will. Um, you can hear from Ches later. And of course, as ever, um, as some people have got in touch to say who they want to hear on the podcast, um, please do get in touch at forcessport at bfbs.com. I just want to say a quick thanks to Liz Mullen from BFBS Colchester. And she confirmed that the Colchester football team were wearing camouflage on their kit as a nod to the garrison and 16 air assault. And um, she got in touch with us on, on our email, forcessport at bfbs.com. So Cheers, Liz. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Um, What happened this week? Well, we had a live stream. uh, UK Armed Forces Football took on, the women took on Chelsea sort of youth side and they were ahead until the 85th minute. I think it was an own goal from Chelsea quite early on. So the UCAF team were ahead 1-0 until about the 85th minute. But um, then two goals from Chelsea sort of gave them the win 2-1. I think the one goal in the 85th minute and then another last minute sort of dramatic header in the 95th minute. But um, 
This is how Captain Cat Beaver and coach Carl Milgate reacted to the match, the result and the occasion. I mean, we put pressure on, that's what led to their mistake. Um, and I thought we defended well, you know, we defended as a unit. Um, and then when we tried to counter, we, we looked quite threatening. But yeah, fitness in the end, I think. I mean, this memory that lasts with you forever playing against Chelsea. Some of these girls are going to go on to play for England, um, you know, open age. So yeah, great opportunity and hopefully we can do it again at some point. What more can, can we ask the girls to do? They've, they've literally, literally given everything. So that's what I said to them at the end. You, you can't ask for no more. Um, for for defence, for the armed services today, um, a special day obviously for us. Um, and it is a sucker punch. It's a sucker punch to concede off a set piece late. Um, but to go toe to toe with a full-time professional outfit that are one of the best academies in the country, um, when we get the team sheet at the start and, and they throw in a, a full England international is, is a, a test, to say the least, for our girls that play at least three levels below her. Um, she, she was on a you know, different level for 74 minutes. So, I mean, that's such a respectable score, in my opinion, against quality opposition. And like Carl said, you know, full internationals playing. And Kat also mentioned the youngsters sort of won out on fitness in the end, which I guess is hard to do when, you, when you're playing a military outfit. They're not normally outfitted um, on that sense. It, it, it's, a, it's a different sort of fitness level, isn't it? I mean, it's match fitness, whereas a lot of our military personnel are fit to go to the front line. But it's a different sort of fitness. So uh, when it comes to carrying kit and whatnot, I'm sure our teams would be on top but when you're running around for 90 minutes and as you say a cruel way to lose wonderful occasion very fitting for the week that's been leading up to remembrance so I think the players can be really really proud what was the background noise was that a lawnmower or was that John Knighton insisting that the burger van was up and running for a, for a post-match nibble why not I mean you know yeah why not did the full 90 minutes good commentary from himself and um, Yvette Kemp as well becoming a, a huge, bit of a regular a huge boost well I'm you say regular I'm hoping that that fixture will become a regular yeah. fixture so we'll have to wait and see keep an eye on that it was such a good occasion and we we have a lot of remembrance sports over the remembrance period but to actually have it on the day um and against such a good side and to get such a good score is um well it says a lot about you know the women's game as well um elsewhere I was lucky enough to go and film the army's first ever American football trials Jules the association was set up in 2019 but because of Covid, you guessed it, they haven't been able to get anyone playing for a couple of years. Over 300 people in the army applied to be part of the association and 92 were able to make the trials in Litchfield last week. The, ma the man behind it all is Abe Day. So the why I did it was because the army wouldn't have existed, the army team wouldn't have existed without an RAF and a navy team as well. Um, so straight away, obviously, that, that was that was the drive to do it. Um, but um, it's it's been a, a, quite a good learning experience. So I sort of approached the Navy and the Air Force until I found the right people to lead it. Um, and I, we gave them everything that we had, got them up to speed with us, had, a, had a, quite a few virtual meetings with, with COVID. ARIF ran their first session last week and Navy run theirs within the next few weeks. I can't claim to know very much about American football, but I was really, really impressed by the athleticism on show. I probably shouldn't be impressed because... The army are, as we just discussed, the military tend to be fit. Well, it's because they're ready. carrying kits. They're carrying kit, aren't they? They've got the pads, the helmets. They're well, they weren't stuff. at these trials. Oh, I see. I have to say, yes, there was just they were just doing some skills and drills um, around, uh, well, inside the cage. But yes, they. I was. I sort of was expecting them to wear kit, but they weren't. But I guess they they must practice all the skills, the running drills and stuff like that without it's, the kit. But it's a very explosive sport. It's very stop starty. 
Well, apparently there should be an inter-services as early as next year because Abe had such a big hand in setting up the army and then helping the Royal Navy and the Royal Air Force set up their own associations. It's all for the benefit of of all three services so they can they can have um, an inter-services, we think, in 2022. But the amount of people who've been involved with the sport for 10, 20, 30 years was impressive. And Daniel Filer is one of them and he's been playing since high school. There are a few that have played at multiple different levels. We've got GB uh, players. We've got players that have played in different divisions up and down the league, up and down the country. Um, so I think for most people it's a new thing, but there are a few like myself that have got the experience so we can help bring them on as well. Most of the guys in the two hours, two and a half hours that we've had them on the field now, they've improved massively um, from just doing the fundamentals and going into what we call our pass skelly. Um, you know, they've improved massively and they've shown that they can do the job that we're asking them to do on the field. It's a mass, there was a massive clamour for this sport to be involved. And like we said, you know, all three military sides now have um, the opportunity to play against each other next year. Just a reminder, you can see any of the sports that we talk about, any of the forces sport we talk about. You can go into more detail and go and check out our news packages at forces.net. BS, BS. This is my station. This is the Forces Station. Forces Sports. Next, we hear from Ches Nihel, who's retired from professional boxing. He was unbeaten in four fights, but two years out of the ring due to COVID and three cancelled fights just made him rethink. Here's Ches on that decision, which was clearly not an easy one to make. The last two years of my professional boxing career, I've been inactive because of because of COVID. Um, and the last six months, I've had three training camps, all two-month training camps, back-to-back, -back, where the shows have been cancelled. So I've done a two-month training camp, and then you know all the sacrifices going through those training camps, all the putting my body through the meal, all the sparring, all the you know getting on the road to London, going on sparring trips. And then come the end of the two months, um, the shows have been cancelled, like two days before uh, the show was due. And that, after the two-year layoff, was sort of like sealed the deal for me on that maybe it wasn't meant to be. Obviously, before the pandemic, my first year as a professional, I had four fights, four wins. Everything was running along smoothly. Pandemic hit, and then a few times I was like, oh, will I ever box again? Will I ever box again? As soon as professional boxing got given the green light to get back training, which was still whilst the pandemic was you know, going on, um, I was back in the gym and training for fights. The behind closed door shows were on. I was trying to get on those. My manager was trying to get me on those. We didn't. And then, like I say, the last six months, I've been on shows where I've been selling tickets, selling tickets, training, going through the training camps, and then come the end of the training camp, two days before the show's been cancelled. Because I think people probably have a perceived idea of professional boxing. You know, they see the sort of superstars of boxing that's all done for them but what people don't appreciate I don't think is how much you had to generate yourself to get those fights and get the crowds in and get get people to come and watch as well and that that had an effect absolutely like um, you know in professional boxing you've got like purse fights and you've got ticket sale fights like my first bout which was um, at the O2 Arena on a world title undercard dream debut that was a purse fight so I didn't have to worry about selling tickets I was you know put a number out there for people to call to buy tickets in my name but then I just got paid per round um, so I didn't have to worry about it and then after that my three other fights were ticket sale fights where I had to generate 
and sell enough tickets to pay for my opponent and then enough tickets to pay for the house fee and the promoter fee and then your trainer fees and stuff like that on top. So you're looking at like a six round fight, you're looking at about three and a half grand that you've got to sell tickets before you can even fight. And say if you're short on that, well you've got to find the money through sponsors or whoever. Um, and like I say, the, the first uh, bout that got cancelled after COVID, I didn't get the tickets yet before it got cancelled, so I didn't do any of that. But then the last two fights that have been cancelled, um, you know, I was putting it out there, social media, like I say, generating, you know, getting it exposed, getting tickets sold, selling loads and loads of tickets. Then two days before, you know, I've got to tell people that, oh, the show's cancelled, I'll refund everyone their money. But then people have like booked hotels, you know, they've paid for transport, you know, I've let people down. Um, and that's tough, that's really, really tough. And that adds to the pressure of everything else, going through the training camp and then not getting that end reward at the end of a training camp. And like I say, that happened twice. And then it was one of those that I sacrificed so much in my life when I'm going through these training camps and I'm holding a day job as well, um, where, you know, my family are in training camp as well. Uh, I've got a young family or young children, so it wasn't fair on them. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It's a tough game, real tough game. It's an interesting insight into the precarious nature of professional boxing because, as you alluded to, you see Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua celebrating, but that's the end product of, of a bigger story in the ranks of, or in the pro ranks. So when you came to the realisation that perhaps it's not going to be viable for you to do what you wanted to achieve as a pro boxer, what were your thoughts? Absolutely wounded because I know, and that's, I'm not even trying to be big-headed here or anything, but I think domestically I punch holes in most of the cruiserweights out there and I still feel like physically sat here right now, I'd still do that. And that's what does break me a little bit, but I do need to focus on my career. There's lots of things I've been putting back because of boxing and it's only so long I can put them back. You know, I'm 34 years old now, I'm going to be 35 next year. My goal, you know, when I won the ABAs, the National Elite Championships, I was 30 years old, turned pro pretty much straight away after that. I was in my 30s, but as a cruiserweight, bigger weights, you can go on a bit longer. Um, but my goal was to retire at 35 years old, having boxed for domestic titles and having had a crack at the British title. Um, and I've lost two crucial years now, and I'm going to be 35 next year, and I'm still only on four bouts. And like I say, the last three cancellations just sort of nailed it on the head for me. And when did you have that conversation sort of with yourself and, and then involve your family or anyone at work or here at the, the boxing gym? Or is it sort of a decision, you the sort of person I can imagine that makes a decision and there's no conversation about it, you're just kind of, you're done? Yeah, it, it, it was one of those that after the fight before last all cancelled and then it was straight into the next training camp and I, you know, I spoke to my team and I said, are we sure this show is, is, is it concrete? I said, because this fight has to happen for my career. And in the fact I was saying that it has to happen because if the same was to happen again, I will retire. And I sort of knew that in my head. I'd had the conversations with my wife, Alana, obviously she's part of my professional training team as well, uh, does my corners and stuff. And she, she was just so gutted for me. She knows how much it means to me and, and the dream and how much hard work I've, I've put into it over the years. And uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. And like I say, like, it's tough on my mental health as well, like going through these training camps and putting so much into it and all the stress and the pressure and the sacrifices and then not getting that, not getting that end result. Um, but it is a conversation I'd had and it's a conversation I'd had with myself, but loads of times through COVID, I kept saying, oh, we'll have a box again, we'll have a box again. But then I just kept training, kept grizzing, kept doing everything in my power to make it happen. And then 
say, six months, three fights cancelled in a row. You know, how much longer can I put? Because you know, I've got other things. I've got my army career where there's stuff I want to do. I've got goals I want to hit in my army career, and the, the clock's ticking on that as well. So it's lessened the blow then, moving into the corner, away from the ring itself. It's lessened the blow for you. You've had to walk away from the sport as a fighter. 100%. I don't think I'd be able to walk away from professional boxing if I wasn't still involved with uh, boxing, especially the army boxing team. Army boxing team's like a family to me. I'm involved in the army boxing team since 2012. You know, we're going like near, nearly nine years now. Um, I'll always be involved with army boxing as long as I'm still serving. It's a great time to be involved in army boxing. Of course, you've always had your Commonwealth medal winners. I'm thinking of your own wife, Alana, <laughs> who, who won bronze in Glasgow a few years ago. But now you've got an Olympian that started her boxing career here. Karis Hartingstall winning out in Tokyo. What sense did this group get from her success? Well, it's amazing. Like, the fact Karis going to the Olympics and then meddling just absolutely unreal and the team I mean I don't know if you saw the video clip of us all watching it as a team in the common room but we were all we lifted the roof off um, and that you know that sets the bar for army boxing now as well you know the females on the team are leading the way so you've got Karis just done the Olympics medaled she also done before on the build-up to that world championships medaled Europeans medaled and I've got uh, Tori Ellis Willits who's on uh, GB set up as well and she's going to Commonwealth Games next year so it's like, you know, and like I say, my wife Alana to Commonwealth Games previously, the, the females on the team, they're setting the path at the highest level. And it does mean so much to the team because, especially in my years and in recent years, we've not had uh, an army boxing Olympian, and now we have, and hopefully long may that continue. Yeah, the, the military bring a certain discipline, or, or a very good discipline, to the sport of boxing. What's your take on, on celebrity boxing at the moment? The, the YouTubers who are going into the ring thinking like Jay Paul. They aren't Paul, even boxers yeah. really, are yeah, they? I mean, because you would have been in the same cruiserweight? Would that yeah, I would have loved to have boxed him. I'd still <laughs> box him now if he, I'd come out of retirement for that. I'm licensed until March next year, so I'd, I, yeah, that'd be a happy payday. What's your take on it? Because obviously it's putting boxing under the, under the spotlight, but is it doing it for the right reasons? Mm, it's, it's one of them. You, some people would say any publicity is good publicity. Jay Paul, thing is, right, he's got so much money behind him. Um, his first fight was against like a nobody, but he's boxed some guys here. Yeah, granted, they've got MMA backgrounds, but he's boxed some half de decent guys for his first fight. And with the money behind him, the people who are coaching him, if he's stuck at it, he could probably turn out to be a really good boxer. That's the thing, do you know what I mean? Like, if you look at a lot of. Um, you know, a lot of top-level pros that turn over, they get spoon-fed their first 10 fights. Obviously now he's boxing against Tommy Fury, Tyson Fury's brother. That'll be a real challenge for him, obviously, because he's a proper boxer who's been doing it his whole life. Um, I do sometimes, I'm a bit on the fence with it, whether I think it's good for boxing or not, but at the end of the day, if he's to stick it out and he's getting coached by the best people, you know, he's got the money for that, that he could make a career out of it if he wanted to, no doubt, because he's, he's a physically big lad, big cruiserweight, with the right training, the right, you know, anyone can apply themselves to anything at the end of the day. As, as sportsmen and women, do you see yourselves as entertainers? Uh, yeah, I think, <clears throat> uh, yes, because people come to have a, ultimately, with boxing, if you look at most boxing nights on a weekend, because people go to usually enjoy themselves and watch the boxing, so it is entertainers, but when you're in the ring doing, you know, you, for me, personally, and I say to all my boxers, you're there to do a job and you're there to win. It is supposed to be fun, it is fun, it is sport, it is fun, but when you're doing boxing, 
you know, you should be in there to win. That's a competitive side of you, and that's the side I try and bring out. And all my boxers, and all of them, all of them want that. Nobody wants to walk, walk out of the ring second best. Ches Nihel there on a, well, I say sterling professional career. It wasn't very long, and it wasn't as long as he wanted, but he 100% will be record. Exactly, exactly. Undefeated. He'll, he'll always have that, and um, you know, it's it's amazing for army boxing that he can be back, and like you say, going in the corner. And he goes on to talk about the fact that he. A win for someone he's coached is almost like a win as if he's in the ring himself. So, you know, yes, it's less than the blow, as you said, but at the same time, he's going to bring so much to the army boxing team for years to come, I'm sure. Um, you, If you want to hear more from Ches, please go to the BFBS Sports Show on YouTube and you can see conversations with him and all our sporting stars that we've had on the Forces Sport podcast. We're now sort of in week week nine so some fascinating conversations there i love it that ches says that the boxers have a common room it almost makes it like <laughs> sixth form like school yeah to the common room well it's i mean i'm sure he won't mind me saying this and him and alana but they are like the parents of this sort of growing youth that are coming in because they seem to have a constant stream of boxers don't they and him and alana are permanent fixtures and sort of look after them all yeah alana is his wife who he met through the army boxing club so not just a sixth i mean it is a proper sixth form now because you get girlfriends there and everything <laughs> it's brilliant and they um like you said it's like a family so i think um a very functional and um successful family that they are um let's move on to some international sport um I don't want to talk too much about it because it hurts, but Australia winning the T20 final deserves, do you think, there, Jules? Well, clearly on the day. I mean, the, the, the build-up to this hadn't gone well. England lost Jason Roy, so I think that scuppered their semi-final hopes. And they'd lost to South Africa as well, which they, the momentum had gone. So England weren't in it. New Zealand deserved to beat England quite tight in the end, in the semi-final, through to the final against Australia. And then, what a silly boy... Devon Conway punched his own bat, <laughs> broke his hand and ruled himself out of a T20 World Cup final. I mean, sportsmen seem to do this. There are some peculiar injuries that go round in sport. Do you remember when Rio Ferdinand was sat down at home watching football, had his feet up on the, te- on the, on the coffee table and then moved his leg and then pulled a muscle? So that ruled him out. Dave Besant, goalkeeper, dropped a jar of mayonnaise on his toe. <laughs> that would be him, me. Ruled, ruled him out for, for... I think yours would be more of a KFC bucket, wouldn't it? Oh, no, I love a jar of mayonnaise. Just just the mayonnaise. <laughs> just the mayonnaise. S- spoon it in with a stick of celery. Football, I mean, Aston Villa signing Stevie Gerrard. Um, you're a Liverpool fan, Jules. Do you think he's working his way around the country to eventually end up at Anfield? Mm, could go one or two ways, couldn't it? He could <laughs> do really, really well at Aston Villa. Or... He may have, because I think everybody wants, perhaps there's a little nostalgia there, but people have earmarked him for a future head coach role at um, Liverpool. So like, either go two ways. He'll do well at Villa, get the job one day at Liverpool, or go badly and ruin his chances of, of managing Liverpool. But wait and see, give, let's give the lads a chance. He's got a checkbook. He's, you know, the owners are, are eager, enthusiastic, ambitious. They want Villa to be right up there. And, and Dean Smith, who was it? Aston Villa gone it's to gone, Norwich it's gone to Norwich so you know and a- apparently Frank Lampard is um being talked about to go to Rangers so again that merry-go-round is um yeah, he's I definitely talking about I don't know why he withdrew from the Norwich position mm. which well I'm sure it'll all come out in the wash 
Because um, you were supposed to be going there. Yeah. Yeah, some really big scores in some of the internationals over the weekend. Um, England 5-0 against Albania. Scotland 2-0 against Moldova. Wales 5-1 against Belarus. Yeah, so and England have got a really good chance of automatic qualification. And the other home, Marino, yeah. yeah, and the other the other home nations have given themselves a really good shout uh, go, by going through the qualifiers. The only thing is that Portugal is a surprise, didn't win, so now didn't win automatically, didn't qualify automatically into the World Cup. So it looks like they're going to go into the qualifiers. So knowing our home nation's luck, <laughs> we'll we'll have a, a fired up Cristiano Ronaldo wanting to desperately get into a, a last World Cup for him at his age. So yeah, I, I have to, that's something to. I'm really shocked. That Portugal didn't didn't make it through, but there you well, are. Well, maybe they are just a team that relies on one player. They've got loads of good players, Portugal. <laughs> anyway, I'm not Portuguese, so I won't cry too much into my coffee. Uh, we, we've we already talked about the England-Australia game in um, Rugby Union, but I think probably the one that took the headlines, and quite rightly so, was Ireland beating New Zealand for Fantastic. the third time in 30 years. 29-20. I mean, a great Brilliant. game. Really great game. Yeah, that was lovely. Really, really impressed with what Ireland have done. And if they can keep that momentum going, they don't want this just to be the headline, do they? They want this now to carry them through to the World Cup and obviously next year's Six Nations, but then on to, in into the World Cup. So this can't be the headline act. This has got to be consistent now, but they can beat the best. So good luck to Ireland. Um, were you pleased with Wales's performance? I mean, we kind of had a double hat on that one because Sam Matavesi had such a good game for Fiji at the Millennium Stadium. Well, Navy Rugby star and Northampton Saints star Sam Matavesi, he was brilliant. He was everywhere. He just sort of typified that real energy that and and bit of flair as well that, that <laughs> Fiji bring to international rugby. That was brilliant. Yeah, Wales struggled and I, I worry for the future of Wales. But they've got some shining lights. Look at the wheels. Look at that absolute gas on Louis Rees-Samit. I mean... Mm. There's no substitute for pace. But gas, but also absolute 100% commitment because yeah. he was out. He was out. He had two players in front of him and oh. it, it was literally a fingertip score, wasn't it? Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And yeah. our, our other um, service athletes in action, Amy Cocaine, did well. Not, not a hat-trick scorer this week, but she was there helping England beat Canada. 17th win on the bounce now for England, um, mm. England Red Roses. So, yes, they did well. And the Wales women also got a win against um, twin, um, against South Africa and Scotland beating Japan. Um, it's all hotting up in Formula One. I mean, he's still 14 points behind Hamilton, but he seems to have picked up speed from somewhere. We talk about pace, and here's, here's somebody who lives by the word. Um, yes, fantastic for Lewis Hamilton. Considering that the build-up, to that Grand Prix, a lot of cloak and daggers, smoke and mirrors going on. Well, what have you done to your? What have you done Front to rear <laughs> yeah, yeah, your, your wing mirror? You've polished it with a yeah. chamois leather. How dare you? are going faster. <laughs> so, um, really, really fascinating. As you say, he's given him and his team an absolute shot at the, at that world title. So, yeah, fascinating. I'm intrigued now to what's going to happen in the last. Is it last three races we're down to? Yeah, we down must be. It's nearly yeah. end of the year, isn't it? <laughs> nearly the end of the year. That's how. Kath <laughs> Kath leads her life nearly the end of the year, so F1 must be coming to an end. Well, I just remember that it starts in March and it comes to the, comes to you know final final in the end of well the end of the year. So, mm. um, just one more sport to discuss, and that is wheelchair rugby league. Um, former former soldier James Simpson, of course, obviously plays for England and is an ambassador for the game. Um, but they were up against world champions France in two tests, which they were playing because the. The Rugby League World Cup has been postponed until next year. 
but they lost both games 24-49 and 26-39 but as sort of I saw a tweet from James this morning just saying it's not surprising they are world champions we've we've now got a year to work on what we know is fixable um as they go into into the the Rugby League World Cup next year and the dates for that are being announced on the 19th of November and tickets will also be available of course remember it's a home Rugby League World Cup so you can get tickets for the men's the women's and the wheelchair game um, in terms of what we've got to look forward to this week UCAF um, Remembrance Rugby Union against a Rugby for Heroes 15 we'll be showing that live on the Forces News Facebook page from 7.45 that's this coming Wednesday the 17th of November we've also got um, a couple of sports awards this week the RAF hold theirs on Tuesday the 16th of November at Halton and we are live streaming the Army Sports Awards on Thursday, the 18th of November from Sandhurst. That's always quite a enjoyable event. And I suppose after two years away, we'll be kind of seeing probably more people than normal, do you think, Jules, at that event? Well, I, I think I think I know who the women's winner might be with Kara Sartingstall picking up an Olympic medal. But um, good, good luck to the rest of you who's <laughs> attending. Um, yes, of course, your host with the most, John Knight, in that evening, so... It's a great night, the Army Sports Awards. If you're lucky enough to be there, fantastic night. It is. And of course, um, the Navy have theirs later on in the year. We'll be bringing you that too. And the under-23 uh, under inter-services tournament continues this week in Aldershot. That's in Rugby uni Union with the Army hosting the Royal Air Force. Jules, you'll be filming that. Now, the Army won the first game against the Navy last week, 27-6. So potentially, I suppose they could take the title on Wednesday. Well, listen, um, please get in touch. We are here to listen to your complaints. We're here to listen to your suggestions. Please get in touch at forcesport at bfbs.com. And remember, you can listen again or check out our other conversations with your armed forces sporting stars. You can find them all by searching for Forces Sport at bfbs.com slash podcasts or on apple spotify or wherever it is you get your podcast you can always catch up with the latest news and sport at forces.net it would be great to hear from you please let us know how we're doing and what you want to hear from us in the future thank you and please do join us weekly here on bfbs for forces sport for now it's goodbye from me and from jules we'll see you next week you.